Welcome to Your Next Chapter, the podcast dedicated to you. The podcast dedicated to providing you with tips, tricks, and resources to live life you want. Your Next Chapter provides you with people who are living rad and inspirational lives to gain insights from to conquer the next chapter of your life. Whether you want to start a business, a new career, get in the best shape of your life, or create better routines and structure for yourself, Your Next Chapter provides you with guests to help you draw inspiration, insight, and wisdom from to lead the life you want. Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in. In front of me today I have Ali. I'm very excited for this interview. Ali is the co-founder of When In Doubt Love. She's also part of the Chasing Sunrise crew and I've had a chance to do many hikes with her and had a lot of good chats and so I'm looking forward to picking her brain a little bit today. Ali, do you want to give yourself a bit of an introduction, tell people who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name's Ali, and um, like Phil said, I'm a co- one of the co-founders of When In Doubt Love, and the whole concept behind this project is to start a love revolution, but with ourselves. Um, so the whole idea behind it is that we have the ability to give so much love to everyone and everything around us, but a lot of the times we neglect to give ourselves that same love and respect. Um, and everyone has like their own moments, whether it's you know talking about themselves negatively in the mirror or saying they can't or they're not good enough. Um, we design these bracelets that act as your personal reminder that whenever you're going through those moments, um, it's just that little gift to you from you for you. Set your intention, and like I said, when you're in those moments, just remember to not be so hard on yourself. I like it. I'm looking forward to uh, getting the men's size of the bracelets. I know you guys only have them for girls right now, but that sounds awesome. You can wear one of the girls. Give the audience some context of where you grew up and how you got to where you are today and kind of what inspired When in Doubt Love. Do you want the long version or the short version? (laughs) As whatever version you feel is appropriate. Cool. Um, So I'm originally from Toronto and um, you know when I was 18 I decided to move out and I started working for this travel company in Toronto called S-Trip and what we did was we took high school students on you know, spring break trips and high school grad trips across the Caribbean and uh, Central America and other parts of Canada, and um, decided I wanted to take a year off, and fell in love with travel. On my first vacation, I went home, I was 18, I was like, guys, my parents are going camping, and they thought I was going to Muskoka for the weekend or something, and I'm like, no, I'm going to Zimbabwe, <laughs> and they thought I was crazy, um, and I ended up doing my first big backpacking trip across six countries in Southern Africa. And I experienced... Oh, at least 18? Yeah, 18 or 19. Okay, yeah. young, okay. And super young, and I had this crazy feeling in my body and, like, in my heart and my stomach and this tingly feeling in my skin, like, at all times. Um, and that's when I first had this idea of what life was about. You know, I, I decided at that point, like, being successful in my life meant being full of experience. You know, and every every single year I decided to, I worked in travel for the following like five, six years at Estrip, but I still made it my goal to take one big trip a year. And um, I saw the world, you know, it was really cool. I've seen about 35 countries, which I'm really excited about. And, you know, with that came a lot of, um, easiest way to put it is I, I stopped taking care of myself, you know, when I was in Toronto. So I feel like traveling was kind of like, my alter ego, the alley I, I wanted to be, and then I couldn't really find that same person in Toronto. And long story short, I just had this depreciating value of self-worth. Um, I didn't really know who I was in my own head. 
Um, I didn't really respect my body. I gained a lot of weight. Um, I struggled a lot with anxiety and depression. And um, I was in an unhealthy relationship at work. I was in an unhealthy relationship, you know, with um, my boyfriend at the time and, and people I was seeing. And, you know, I, I really needed to make a big change. So my last big trip was 2013. And I went traveling around Asia and Australia and Dubai and, and all these crazy places. And um, after like a few months of being on the road, I landed back in Toronto and right into a nine to five job. I was like, this can't be it. <laughs> you know, I was so happy and I felt like I was fixed and I got back to Toronto and I had a great job and people that supported me and a great salary and like a future really like laid out for me if I wanted it. And I was just so freaking miserable. And I ended up making a really cool contact um, with a guy named TJ. He was um, one of the owners of Beach Travelers, a Vancouver-based travel company. And um, I was kind of traveling around with them in Thailand on that big trip. And they got back in touch with me and they're like, okay, we need someone to develop a sales program. Come out to Vancouver. And I did. It was just like another work trip, being on the road. So I packed my bags and I'm like, whatever, if I don't like it, I'll come home. And I just never went back. It's only been just about two years. I haven't been here that long but the cool thing about it was is it was my chance to come here without any distractions so I didn't know anyone um, and I was really faced with myself and I had to really decide you know what I wanted to change and it really left it up to me to make those changes no excuses and the first thing I did was try and fix my body um, and what I mean by that is just take care so of when you got to Vancouver did you know like you were coming kind of like on a mission to you know, like repair yourself, fix yourself, it's kind of like, did you have that no. intention of kind of like, you know, I'm here with a purpose, or it's like, was this just an extension of another trip? Um, at first it was an extension of another trip, because even though I was here, I hadn't permanently moved. I was on contract, like a trial with Beach Travelers, and I was here in Van for a few months, and then after my contract ended, they sent me to Asia for the summer to help with some photography, and they said, when we come back in the summer, we want you to move here full time, and, and come on with the permanently so yeah spent a few months in Asia back, normal alley it's like back she's loving life and uh, I was just genuinely happy in Vancouver it was just such a cool city um, but when you there's a big difference of being somewhere for work or being somewhere on vacation versus actually living somewhere that's when your mentality really changes so yeah I moved there in the summer and that's when you know I, I had to like get into a routine and settle in and then really face myself and be like okay and when you got to Vancouver from like the time you moved here to now, what has that looked like for you? Because obviously you've come a long way, you've lost some weight, there's been different things happening, and now you have one in doubt love. What did that timeline kind of look for you a little bit like? Oh man, it was a crazy timeline. I'd say about a year. So the summer till about Christmas was just kind of doing my own thing um, and started having some crappy feelings come back into my brain. Um, and that's when I realized I had to make some some big changes because you know you, you kind of sit with yourself and you're like okay well what do you think is causing this um you know the, my environment's changed a little bit but there's obviously something inside of me that's causing me to feel upset or feel not full um and it really came down to I wasn't taking care of myself and that's a big factor there's things that you eat that don't make you feel good and even if you're the fittest person if you don't fuel your body with things that it reacts well to um, you know, if you suffer with anxiety, sometimes caffeine doesn't do well for you. So, you know, it came down to I wasn't taking care of myself mentally, and I wasn't taking care of myself. You know, 
And was it just like a feeling of like you didn't feel good about yourself? Was it like in depression? Like how did yeah. you know that you weren't taking care of yourself? Like what was the indicators for you emotionally that kind of said, Hey, I need to change something or do something here? Yeah, so in the, in the summer that I moved here I, I started working on my fitness and I started to feel better and I started to make some progress. And um, I was actually dealing with really bad acne. Um, this is a really random side story, but um, to clear it up, because nothing was working, my doctor decided to put me on birth control to try and clear my skin up. And um, by that point, I'd already lost about 15 pounds when I since moving in the summer. And then within six weeks, I gained 25 pounds. So from like end of September to leading up to Christmas. And that, that was devastating. Like when you work hard to lose weight and then you gain it all back plus more and you don't know why. Um, it just, for me, I've always had really bad self-esteem. Um, so that just kind of like, I think, spiraled it all for me and put me back into that state. And I was like, okay, I sat with myself. I'm like, you obviously need to make a change, right? Um, and physically, that was like, my appearance was a big part of, of me not being happy. Um, but a lot of other things filed from that. So it was kind of like, okay, step one, like let's, let's try and target the main thing that's, yeah. Holding you back. Holding me back. Makes sense. And like when you got here, like, so how much weight did you lose? Because like basically I know you went through a period where you lost, you posted about it on Facebook. Like how much weight and in what period of time did you lose that weight? Yeah. So I want to say I really started my, my big fitness stuff in January, 2015. Yeah. It's 2016, right? So I, I want to say I'm close to about 70 pounds now. Wow. Um, and it's crazy. Like, you know, I still struggle with a lot. But when I, I look back at how quickly that came off um, in a healthy way, was, like, I try not to be discouraged about it, you know. But it's funny because I, I started this routine and, you know, obviously when you have a lot of weight to lose, it comes off. It's like science. You eat less, you move, and it's like, dang, you're starting to lose weight. Um, so I did this program called Insanity, and um, it's insane. I honestly don't do it. It was the worst 60 days of my life. But um, I lost 40 pounds on that, and I started to just feel really good. Is it a DVD set? Yeah, it was like an at-home workout. Right. And it was kind of cool because you can go at, as hard as you want, and you don't, you're kind of self-conscious when you want to lose weight, right? So you're not very comfortable in the gym. But I went as hard as I could at home. And every single day? Every single day. Um, and then, yeah, after that, I decided to try some other workouts, and couldn't really find anything that I was like, you know, stoked on. And then a friend of mine got me to try CrossFit. And um, it was really cool because I, I got into an environment where I really enjoyed, um, a, like, it really helped me with my stress. Um, I found myself going to a workout that I really enjoyed. It's very competitive, but with yourself, you see constant progression. You're getting stronger, you're getting fitter. It's funny because the sport never gets easier. It just gets, like, you're just getting stronger, and the weights get heavier, and you go faster, and you go harder. Um, but the best thing that came from that, and this is what sparked this this new thing that I got to work on with myself is, you know, when I started losing weight, it was for good reasons, but it's it was something that was supposed to be healthy that became very mentally unhealthy for me. Um, something that was supposed to better myself became very consuming. And while I was eating properly, and you know, exercising, it just became very obsessive. And to the point where I'd be going to yoga to relax, and when they asked me to set my intention, my word would be skinny. And when you can acknowledge that, you're like, okay, Ali, there's a problem here, you know? So 
Um, talked to my doctor about it. A few friends talked about it, and it's pretty known that I do struggle with body dysmorphia. Um, and you know, it, it is common for people that drop weight pretty quickly. Not to justify it, but it is something that I do struggle with. But CrossFit helped me change that mentality when I could see girls that worked their ass off for those bodies. You know, they were fit, they were strong, and um, it really helped gain some confidence. It's like, okay, I want to be that. I want to be healthy versus this one to be skinny, you know? Right. Um, yeah. For the people in the eyes that don't know what body is, talk a little bit about that and what that means. In a nutshell, it's basically I view my body um, differently. I see it being heavier than it actually is. And there's different ways that people can experience it. But the way I experience it is I look in the mirror and I visually see myself to be extremely overweight and, you know, a lot of times it happens in the change room. I'm putting on pants and I'm like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. If I'm wearing a size six or a size eight, like, I shouldn't be freaking out. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's a little mind game <laughs> that your body plays or your mind plays with you on the image of your body. And so to kind of like wrap that up and kind of recap, so basically when you were living in Toronto, you are traveling, and was it safe to say that you were kind of running away from yourself, kind of thing, like kind of the things that were bothering you in Toronto? You were kind of trying to get away from that by going on these trips? Um, not really, actually, because a big part of my life and who I was was going on those trips. Um, it was something that I just genuinely loved doing, and even though I was living in Toronto and that was my base, my total time spent in Toronto would probably be six months a year combined time. So it was just, it became a very big part of me that, like, that's who I was. I wanted to be away, um, but I did learn that Toronto just wasn't my spot. I just didn't get that fulfillment or that fullness feeling about life um, when I was in Toronto. I just, there wasn't anything that was really doing it for me there, you know? Not really my lifestyle choice or my scene. Or right, so you felt it was time to move on. I'm a banker, yeah. you yourself, you're like, this is a good opportunity to go. Yeah, why forward. not? Why not, like, try it out? It's like another trip. If you don't like it, you come home. So it seemed like a good chance to just give it a shot. So why start when in doubt, love? Um, it's really cool. It's a really cool concept, and I feel like it's a very authentic journey that I'm experiencing, or currently experiencing. Going through right now. And it's a I think every single person goes through it. No matter if you think you have, like, the most perfect situation, or you're struggling with something, or you're a guy, or you're a girl, like, everyone has moments where they doubt themselves. And the easiest way I try to explain it is, you know, how many times have you heard your girlfriends or someone like looking in the mirror and be like, I'm so fat. Or they're picking themselves apart, you know, or you're doing that. And you look at your friend and you're like, are you insane? Like, stop talking about yourself like that. And you're so angry at your friend. But then you think a lot of times you do that to yourself. And that's almost every day in ways that you might not even acknowledge that you're doing it. And if you can't be, and I know this sounds really cheesy, like a quote you would see on Instagram or something, but if you can't be your number one fan or supporter, like if you don't believe in yourself, then you're closing a lot of doors for yourself. You know, not you, you need to be able to believe in yourself and give yourself like, say like, I can do it, I'm going to do it. Um, and I've learned that lesson hard a couple times, but um, it's been really nice to kind of go on my own personal journey and, and really try and fall in love with myself and I think that's a really important lesson for for everyone to learn. Well, I've definitely had times in life when people have believed in me more than myself, right? And since having that moment when somebody's like, you're totally ready for this opportunity and then they tell you to go do it and then you kind of take that leap of faith 
just because they told you to do it. And it's like you apply for a job. I remember one time when I started coaching with a company and basically like I did not feel I was ready to become a coach yet, right? I was kind of just like, I'm not ready for this role. Even though I've been mentoring and chatting for like six months, like no, no, it's time for you to like leave one of these classes, right? And so it was just like since somebody else having belief in you can be re- really reassuring totally. because we don't always give it to ourselves, right? And it's just totally. easy to kind of doubt yourself and that's just part of being human. 100%. And imagine if you can actually take those opportunities as you grow to actually say, like, why am I talking to myself like that? You know, and the more you build on that experience, sometimes those thoughts that go through your head are kind of crazy. You know you can do it. Um, And I'm guilty of it. I still struggle with it every single day. But it's just, it's funny. Like, you know, I think I'm just becoming more and more in love with this concept of falling in love with yourself. And I don't mean that in, like, a crazy, conceited way. But like, why is it Julian, you know, one of the guys that I'm doing when in debt love with, he, he always kind of talks about this and like, when has it become so rare to love yourself that it seems like revolutionary to do so, you know? And that's kind of one of the ideas that we're trying to take on with when in debt love is, you know, why has love become such like this out there fluffy concept when it should just be raw and real and it comes on so many different levels you can't love people and you can't give you know love and affection and support to everyone else if you can't really give it to yourself you think you can but you can't you know well it's funny because one of the first courses i'm thinking of developing is like a self-love course right and it's interesting like how like and i talk to some people about it and it's like it's just sad that such a thing even needs to exist kind of thing right but a lot of it stems from my own you know struggles and recognizing kind of like the lows and highs that i've had and like that you do need to nurture yourself, but for some reason it's like, you know, just so easy to overextend yourself and it's almost like not talking anymore. And so it's crazy that that idea in today's society, like it needs to be conditioned back into us, right? So it's incredible what you're doing, but it is almost sad that it's something that is pragmatic across all society. It's funny because sometimes I think about the work that we're doing and it just seems so ridiculous, <laughs> you know? It's like, why do I, or what, even with myself, why do I have to tell myself these things? It's crazy that I have to train my brain and my heart and my emotions to be like, this is how you should be living. It's like we've trained everything to become, I don't want to say negative, but that I feel like that takes over a bit more than love. And why do you think that is? What's triggered in society that we need to focus our attention on this now? Why is it such a lack for people showing self-compassion for themselves? We live in a society where insecurities consume us. And we live in a society where because of those insecurities consuming us, businesses thrive off of it. Even something that's supposed to be healthy like the health and fitness industry. What is it, a $60 billion industry? But yet obesity is a problem. And plastic surgery. And these are just like little examples, but like, Everyone just thinks you're not good enough, whether that be for a job, whether that be for your appearance, whether that be for you think you're not you're not ready or you're not good enough to date someone. You're like you're always questioning yourself. You always have this like society has set this expectation of they built this stereotype or this prototype. Like here's the girl and here's the guy, and there's a bunch of them. But like that's what you need to live up to in these different areas. And people think if I'm not that picture perfect person, then something's wrong. And like, it's kind of funny because on my own social media, I try and, uh, at least recently, I've tried to open up a bit more with my writing. And, you know, I, 
because I've been working on these things, I'm trying to um, open myself up to receive love. You know, I've always had walls up, and I've tried to, you know, give love to other people, and um, I recently felt what it was like to be in love. I'm like, that was like a whole new world of its own. I'm like, oh my god, this actually isn't so bad. Um, but, you know, working on things like vulnerability and all that stuff, um, I started writing a little bit about it on my Instagram, and um, one of the girls commented, I was having a really bad day, and I wrote about, you know, my heart just got broken, and my depression's kicking in, and all of this stuff is like spiraling, and I wrote about it, and this girl comments, you know, I'm really happy that um, you wrote, you wrote, decided to write about this, because there's so many times I find myself scrolling through your Instagram feed, and comparing your life to mine, and wondering what I'm doing wrong. And that just never occurred to me. I was just like, what do you mean? You know, for the last six months up until that point, I didn't have a job for three months. And I was so miserable at my other job before. Uh, not because I didn't like the job, I just was so out of that position. Um, you know, my anxiety and depression was crazy. You know, I got like feeling heartbreak like that and it was just devastating for me. Like I was worried about so many other things. I felt like I wasn't delivering and all these things. and. At that point, I was just felt like I was like not getting anything in life right. Meanwhile, this person's comparing her life to mine, and she thinks it's amazing. Um, so it's funny how we just perceive other people and think what like what life's supposed to be and supposed to be perfect instead of just working on ourselves. You know. Sorry, I went on a little ramble there. <laughs> well, it's funny that you draw that comparison. It's like similar for me. It's like when I have my job recently. It's like a lot of people reached out saying, "Good on you for leaving your job." Blah blah blah. It's kind of like. And the way it kind of played out was like I was forced into resigning right? I was really keen at it to a promotion. But it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, it's good on you to take that move forward. And they drew a lot of inspiration from it. Even though it's like for me, it's like I feel so much more lost. Like the last two weeks has really been a struggle. It's like, yeah, I've had this podcast and I'm blogging, but there's still so many unknowns, right? Like just when it comes to like revenue, it's like it's great to have something that you enjoy doing, but it's like you still have to pay a bill, right? Totally. And so it's funny how people can, you know, gain inspiration but at the same time you might still feel like you don't really have all the answers and so it is kind of ironic how that plays out but I think that's that's life right it's just like you're not always going to have 100% certainty you're not going to be fully convinced of anything is what it comes down to mm -hmm. what's the vision for when in doubt uh, where do you see it going kind of like what's the idea behind it we want to start a love revolution. I know that sounds really crazy, and I know I, I said we want to not make love seem like a fluffy thing, and that can come across as a bit fluffy, but if you can... So you want to practice in love is basically what it comes down to. Like you just yeah. Like, for me, me personally, we haven't even fully launched yet, and for example, when people sign up for our mailing list, they subscribe to us, so like they want to get updates, they want to know what we're up to when we do launch. We ask them, like, what appeals to you about this? Why do you want to be a part of this? And these are strangers taking time to write 10 paragraph emails of heartbreak, vulnerability, like all this stuff that they, they're pouring their hearts out to you. But the positive side of it is they're like, this is how I've overcome it. And this is why it's made me a better person. And through all this negativity, I've chosen to love. And that is a very difficult, difficult thing to do. Um, so for me, with one in doubt love, if I can, if I have the ability to touch someone like that and you know make them like have that positive effect on someone's life by just encouraging them to love themselves a little more, that's 
cannot change someone's life. I know it's changed my life, um, and I know it sounds really crazy, but I think everyone would just be so much happier. Um, so I think that's my goal with this, is I want to be able to touch as many people as possible to just be like, I know this sounds like a crazy idea, idea but why don't you take five minutes a day to tell yourself that you're the freaking best, and you can do whatever you want to do, and it's like you said, sometimes you just need that little motivation or someone to say, you're being crazy. Um, and I think why I get so excited about this project is because I've struggled with it, and it's a bracelet that I've been using for the last six months now, and it's something that I've been, you know, practicing, and it makes a really big difference to just choose to love yourself instead of just beat yourself down all the time, like it's not going to do you any good. And do you see yourself, like, with the manuals you guys are building, like, creating content and, like, totally. videos, blogging, totally. and having, like, merchants, like, is that the full vision for it, is to really inspire people to just love themselves more and provide them with resources in order to remind themselves of that and how to practice that in a day-to-day? -day. Yeah, I think a big thing is just relatability. I think the internet is filled with inspiration, you know? People, I know it's crazy to say people don't need to be inspired, um, because they do, but there's no shortage of that happening on the internet right now. Um, I think the whole point is creating a community that can show relatability. Because for me, that's a different way of inspiring. You can read a quote and you're like, oh man. You can look at a picture and you're like, okay, I wanna do that. But for me, if you're talking to me and you're telling me this story or something you went through and I can relate to that, I'm instantly drawn to you because, okay, this person now, is they're real. And they experience something that I'm feeling and I'm instantly attracted to that. So it's like, that inspires me to talk to you or maybe reach out and be like, how did you fix this? How did you feel? How did you? And I think that's just, turning it more into a community of relatability and putting a bit of a, a face to it rather than just like a, a fluffy love, a fluffy love post, you know? It's not just some hippies smoking weed in the 70s all over again. I mean, no. No, it's awesome. I think what you're building is incredible and exactly what the world needs right now, right? And so it's really empowering that you're doing that. I think, yeah, I'm looking forward to what you guys launch out. Going back to the body uh, dysmorphia, which you talked a little bit about, how did you know that was an issue? Like, at what point was there like one specific moment that somebody called you out on it, or how did you know it was an issue for you? Um, I just I've always had a bad habit of looking in the mirror and speaking down to myself, and mainly because I I was really overweight. Um, you know, like if I would. I, I would look at myself and be like, man, you look really fat, and I know that's not a great way to speak to yourself, but like, I did have a lot of weight to lose. Um, so maybe that caused a habit of me thinking it's okay to treat myself that way. Um, but as I started to lose all of this weight, it was like taking a second to, well, I did have girlfriends that called me out. One of my best friends, Bree, um, she just basically yelled at me and was like, I'm not gonna talk to you if you're gonna be negative. Straight up. She's like, That's this is not allowed when we're hanging out. And she was really stern with it. I don't wanna hear it. If you're being ridiculous. And it's different from one friend just kind of like fucking you off and being like, hey, you're being silly. Like she was genuinely upset with me. And that's when it kind of clued in. I was like, okay, you're right. Um, and then I was back in September, I was getting ready for a date. I was super nervous. <laughs> 
and I didn't have any clothes because nothing fit me anymore, so I went to Ritzia, and I was um, really nervous. I don't like shopping. I don't look like looking at myself in the mirror, and um, this girl was like, oh, you got to try on this really hot long leather skirt and this crop top, and I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> like, that is my nightmare, and uh, she's like, trust me, just put it on. So she gave me a skirt, and I looked at it. It wasn't sitting right. She's like, oh, let me get you another size. And instantly, it just it drew negatively to me. I'm like, oh, I'm too. Like, she needs to get me a bigger size. And so I just didn't look at it. I threw it, like, took the skirt off. She gave me a new one. Fit much better. And I actually didn't really mind how it looked. And I looked down at the size for it, and I was wearing a size 6. And I looked at the one on the floor, and it was a size 8. And she gave me a size down. And I'm sitting there, like, thinking to myself, this is crazy. Like, it was one of the first times where I can acknowledge, like, you shouldn't be thinking of yourself that way. Period. You know? Um, so that was one of the first times where I, I kind of just start, had to start being a bit more stern with myself and, and just telling myself that I'm being a little bit crazy. And I think what it comes down to it is you can't control a lot of your thoughts the thoughts that pop up in your mind. And I think that's what a lot of people have problems with. You know, if I go to you and I'm feeling super, like if you're struggling with anxiety and you're like, Allie, like this is how I feel today, most of your friends are gonna be like, oh man, you're gonna be okay. Oh, you're the best, you shouldn't feel that way. And it's like, I'm not fishing for a compliment here, you know? It's like you're not controlling those thoughts that come up. Um, but I think it, it, for me, it's been a big lesson to you can't control the thoughts that pop up, but you can control how you deal with those thoughts. And you either have the ability to do that on your own, or you need to get help fixing those problems, right? Yeah. So. Do you still struggle with body dysmorphia, or is that something you feel like you've kind of overcome, and it's not still, overcome? Not overcome. No. It's still an ongoing battle. It is like I wake up in the morning, I'm like, hey, Allie, look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, hey, body dysmorphia. It's like a full on. It is a very big struggle for me. Um. Luckily, that the people I hang around with are amazing, and um, I'm, I'm really, really, really lucky to have best friends that um, know me inside and out. I'm really lucky to, um, they know what I've struggled with, they know, and there's no judgment. And I think that makes it a lot easier to be like, guys, this is how I'm feeling today, and doesn't change their view of me. Um, and I think that's, that helps me a lot to, to you know, discuss how I'm feeling and try and get through it. Well, there's definitely two types of friends, right? I've noticed there's people that I tell things to, and it's like, you don't feel any judgment for it, right? Mm -hmm. And there's people that told like, hey, it's like, I'm showing depression right now, or maybe, and they'll throw it in your face, like, two weeks later, kind of, right? And it's kind yeah. of just like, I'm like, well, that's not the kind of friend I want. It's like, I didn't tell you that, so you could use it against me, kind of thing, right? It's just like, yeah. and so you have to kind of understand that the people you really want to surround yourself with are the people that are going to support you and love you unconditionally, right? It's just like, the people that are going to use things against you just kind of like, you really probably don't want to spend a lot of time with those people that think down to you. Mm -hmm. I was just nodding. <laughs> just like, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm like, that's spot on. <laughs> yeah, totally. How do you, with your body dysmorphia, like, what is your kind of thought process? Like, how are you combating it right now? Kind of like inside your head, I'm always intrigued, kind of like, what that looks like to people. I don't know, like, I guess I want to just spill out my thoughts and be honest, what goes through my head in a non-offensive way, yeah. but like, I, I'll look, I'll be getting dressed, or I look at myself in the mirror, and I'm like, shit, like, I'm 300 pounds right now, and I know that's, like, 
that's just what I see, and I can't help it. And I will sit there, and Even I Even though you're not, you kind of think of yourself like... Yeah, and it just, it's like, that's what I see. There's no motioning around it, all right? Like, that's, that's what I see, and I can't control that thought. So that pops in, it's like, okay, there it is. So I can acknowledge it, and then it's been a very big, like I said before, action of how do I choose to process. So if I'm having a bad day, do I let it eat away at me? And then do I not eat an entire day and I just like decide I'm super depressed and I go to sleep? Not the best way of dealing with it. Or can you acknowledge, okay, Ellie, this is not, this is not true. And it's like, you can only do what's in your control. So if I go to the gym every day and I eat healthy and I just have to continue down a path of what's healthy and be conscious of it, then I just hope it eventually goes away. Um, but I just feel like there's nothing I can, you know, like I either wallow in it and allow it to consume me or I can be like, this is not true. So quiet, keep going. And I know it, it comes across as easier said than done. Like I make it seem like it's just like a 30 second conversation in the morning, like you're saying, hey, before morning coffee and then you're leaving. Um, but I know anyone that, that struggles with it knows how consuming it is. Um, and I don't wish to find not the most fun experience but yeah well because it's, it's so much different like doubt or anxiety right where you can wrestle mm-hmm. with that for really long periods of time mm-hmm. and it can eat up huge chunks every day mm-hmm. if you don't really you know deal with it properly is what it comes down to yeah if you go back nine months and give yourself some kind of advice or anything you think you could tell yourself to kind of maybe have prevented this or minimized it you know what I want to say I want to say no because when I decided I was ready to make a change in my life, I was just fed up with my lifestyle. You know, it wasn't this diet that I was going on. It wasn't this like picking up a magazine, how to lose 10 pounds in, in six days. It wasn't like these this fad diet. It like people need to realize that like there's no such thing as di- like diets. It's how you live your life. And I, I guess that's just I, I mean that in a healthy way, you know, because I don't want to live my life on a I want to live my life. I want to just have a, a lifestyle that's sustainable. And for me, I just had to realize over the last six years or five years, you turned into this because of these actions. Like that's how your body transformed and it's going to take time to fix it. Um, so yeah, I kind of just put my head down and I, I wouldn't change it because I ate really healthy and you know I was and I was working out and things just kind of happened and it's been really cool like with CrossFit it's even though like mentally it became consuming and I was losing weight with that whole thing of like skinny 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 um, when I started doing CrossFit it was really like eat to perform fuel your body you know your body's a machine like being fit um, all that so that I, yeah I don't think I'd change Elaborate a bit on the lifestyle. I'm curious to know, you know, you lost 60 pounds in like nine months. What did your week look like? What were you doing physically to lose that weight? And what changes did you make in your diet to lose that weight? Yeah, um, I didn't really cut anything out. Um, I was kind of, or at least, and, and everyone has their different views on it, but for me, I just was like, okay, these are going to be healthy carbs, your veggies, your proteins, your fats. And I just had a, I had a meal plan that I, I had made for myself. Um, and I followed that one doing insanity. So you didn't cut out like, any like desserts or any carbs? Kind of like, just kind of like... I mean, 
I was really good during the week if I went out on the weekend and I to be honest I would avoid it at first because you want to build a habit right, right. Um, but I didn't want to deprive myself from anything either um, because I just with my personality I just didn't think that that was sustainable and um, but I, I was really good like I was strict majority of the time one thing I, I don't want to say I cut out 100% but I wasn't going out drinking as much um, drinking was like it's like really really cut back um, when I started doing my working out and also too when you start to invest into your body I can't deal with three-day hangovers like <laughs> it's just not worth it it's really the opposite of what you're doing so yeah I, I cut back a lot on alcohol and I don't really do that much anymore even though I do love a good glass of wine um, yeah, I, I stopped drinking, like, when I was in Toronto, I feel like the, the, what you do in Toronto is like... Oh, you drink. Ne- you drink. It's like, Thursday night, this club, Friday night, this club, bottle service, bottle service, clubs, 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 and it's just like, I do not need to be drinking four nights a week. Um, so yeah, I cut out a lot of booze. Um, I just made my, my diet really balanced, and um, carbs, I ate. I ate everything, but it was just good carbs. Um, what I mean by good carbs is trying to remove, like... The breads, the pastas, like kind of sticking to yams. You can get carbs from uh, carbs from veggies. Right. So I was just a lot stricter with how I was taking that into my body, and there was a severe calorie deficit. Um, you know, because I was just eating very poorly before, and then um, you fast forward six months, and a lot of the easy weights come off. But then I started lifting a lot of weight, versus just doing more body weight stuff and, and cardio, um, like basically hit training, plyometrics. Yeah, so, like, you made some adjustments on the diet, but, like, what were you doing, like, physically? Like, I know I saw you doing CrossFit before, but what was kind of, like, the athletic adjustments or the active adjustments that you made to your life? Worked out every day. Every day. Every single day. Gym every day. Every day. Yeah. And it, it just became, it became a really, I enjoyed it. And maybe it's my background, too. Like, I was really fit in high school. I played sports. I, so it was kind of, like, when, you, when it did come to that realization of like, oh man, I gotta lose weight. Um, you remember what you used to do, competitively dance. I played provincial volleyball, I did all these things, and now I'm just like, oh man. So yeah, um, I, I got back into a routine that I loved. And um, it was a nice, because I, I, I do feel like I was very high stress at the time, um, it was a nice outlet for me to kind of get rid of some of that stress. And when you say gym, you mean CrossFit, right? You're doing CrossFit every day, or? So I did that Insanity. Yeah. I did Insanity every single day for 60 days. And then I tried out, um, I tried CrossFit um, at a gym here in Vancouver. And I was really hesitant to CrossFit because of how everyone talks about it. The CrossFit revolution. Yeah, I was I was one of those people on the other side that chirped it. I was like, ugh, you CrossFitters. Like, I'm not getting involved with that. I want nothing to do with it. And I uh, started going to a gym and uh, with a friend, and I, I liked it, but um, maybe my technique wasn't good. I just started to feel a lot of pain, um, and I was like, okay, maybe this is this is the stereotype that everyone speaks about. I'm not really into it. And then that took me into summer, tried a couple other things, but I realized like nothing. I needed a, a routine. I can't decide what I need to do every day. That wasn't motivating for me, so I decided to give another gym a try here in Vancouver and absolutely fell in love with it. Um, so I think it, you just gotta find a place in a community that you really, really like. And I just, yeah, it was a lot of progress in, in, in six months at that CrossFit gym, but I, I was going like five, six days a week, just like totally obsessed with it and I love it. And you're obviously seeing results, so you kept going with it. Yeah, I 
good and strong. <laughs> you still are strong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I was getting stronger. I was feeling better mentally. I was feeling better physically. Um, you know, you start to see muscles on your body, and you're like, yeah, I worked for that. <laughs> so that was kind of, that was cool. But it was just like, I just really enjoyed doing it. For people who are trying to lose weight, maybe someone in a similar situation, what advice or what would you recommend for them to maybe do it in a way that's a little bit healthier, maybe avoid some of the problems that you had? Yeah, you gotta you gotta look at it as you're ready to change your life. If you think I gotta go on a diet, you're not gonna be happy. Um, you gotta be ready to commit that like it is a lifestyle change. And I think this is what people don't know about yo-yo dieting is that when you lose weight let's say you lose 15 pounds, you need to maintain that weight for three months, your new weight for three months, for your metabolism to actually adjust to that being your body weight. And that's why people gain weight back so quickly is because their body is still acting as, as their heavier weight. Um, so that's why they call it yo-yoing because it's up and down and up and down. But once you lose weight, you maintain that for three months, your body slowly starts to adjust to that. A trainer was explaining that to me last year and um yeah so one if you want to lose weight you've got to be ready to commit to a lifestyle and do it in a way that don't be drastic <laughs> like don't be ridiculous be like as of tomorrow i'm not eating anything but celery i'm going to do a juice cleanse and i'm going to go to the gym like three times a day like okay talk to me on tuesday tell me how that goes but make little changes go into routine don't deprive yourself of anything like your body will feel deprived of sugars and carbs if that's what it's used to and then like you will have cravings but like you just gotta, especially them. I can't really talk that. I'm like I'm literally addicted to cookies. <laughs> like I can't say no to cookies. <laughs> you actually write about starting small. Though one of the things I work with all my clients on is we always start small and make realistic goals. Right? I can't stress totally. that enough. When you're starting, doesn't matter what it is. It's like if you don't see some kind of success early on, the odds of you continuing with it is unlikely. Right? So if you set up a massive goal and let's say you want to aim like lose 50 pounds really quickly, it's like. That's probably gonna take a long time to do. So you're better off setting goal to lose two or three pounds in a realistic time frame than setting a big lofty goal, right? And the more you totally. do that, the more likely you are to stick with it. Set yourself up for success. Yeah. Don't set yourself up for this extreme goal. And this is what any with anything that you do. If you set yourself up for these crazy goals that you don't really fully believe in, and you know deep down inside you know it's not really possible, by the time that deadline comes and you don't achieve it. A lot of people are just going to quit and think it's not possible. And that's where you get that like spiral, uh, that hamster wheel, you know? Um, so set realistic goals and, and be healthy about it or else you're not doing yourself or your body any good or your brain. <laughs> Talk about, let's shift gears here a little bit. Talk about your involvement with uh, Chasing Sunrise and what that is here in Vancouver. Uh, they are the best guys ever. Um, so I have a bunch of guy friends, three of them. Um, they started Chasing Sunrise last year, and uh, I'm going to get this story straight, because if they're listening and I say it wrong, they might yell at me. But um, it started off as a group of, of, well, Gordon and Julian did this 21, we call it 21 day around the days. So you wake up for 21 days at 4.30 in the morning, and it's really cool if you're working on maybe your own projects, if you want to meditate, if there's something really powerful about being up. Um, before a lot of people and having time to yourself to just be in your own head and, and do your own thing. Um, so they did that for 21 days and then on the 22nd day, they're like, okay, let's do something cool. So they went up Seymour 
And I remember Gordon telling me, like, oh, man, it was so windy, so miserable. We're, like, hiding behind a tree. And then all of a sudden, we see the sun come up from the, um, the first peak of Mount Seymour from behind all these mountains. And you're like, whoa, this is crazy. And it's really cool when you realize something like that's in your backyard, right? It's a really powerful moment. You're like, why, have I, why haven't I been doing this, like, every day? Right. So, like, we got to get some friends. So they organized their hike for some friends, a few people went on it, and from there it's kind of just like exponential growth. 10 people, 20 people, 40 people, and then Canada Day, there were like 500 people singing Oh Canada at the top of Mount Seymour. Um, and it's really cool. So for those of you that don't know about Chasing Sunrise, um, we essentially, here in Vancouver, it started off as a free, free hike, a group of people that were just waking up and, and doing something rad while most of Vancouver were sleeping. Um, before sunrise so the key premise sunrise. is like you're hiking in the dark so 3 30 4 in the morning you hike up so that way you're on top of the mountain mm -hmm. before the sunrise and it's really it's really rad so um i was actually not part of any of those ones leading up to canada day i had heard about it my new friends that went on it and um i ended up meeting gordon in the summer last year and he he was telling me all about it and I was still actually really shy about my fitness level. I didn't think I was capable of making it up to Seymour. I know I'm ridiculous, but I was like, oh, man, a hike with other people? Like, I'm going to be judged. And uh, he was like, you're coming on the hike. So I went on my first uh, Chasing Sunrise in August. And, um, man, it was awesome. <laughs> and I think I loved it so much because it instantly sparked that same feeling, that only feeling I get when I'm traveling here in Vancouver. And that was a really magical moment for me because those moments that I chase, I feel like I have to go somewhere else to get, to finally feel like you have that here at home is a really special feeling. And then when I realized I was like, I have that here at home, I was like, oh, I just called Vancouver home. <laughs> and that felt even better. And then to be, I was like, I gotta, I gotta hang out with these guys more. And I weaseled my way into this group. I was like, it was just all guys. I was like, I won't be part of this group. Um, but it was really cool to finally hang out with the most inspiring, intelligent, beautiful humans I've ever met. Um, and like I said, they reminded me of people I met abroad. But it was I was just felt so lucky to have that here. And the lessons that I've learned from these guys uh, have been amazing. But anyway, so chasing sunrise. <laughs> Um, Your involvement. My involvement with them is, um, so we're looking at, like our Instagram's huge now. We're, we're pushing 30,000 people. Um, a lot of curated content from our community of like, look at people doing awesome things. Um, but really, you know, we don't, like I said, we don't need it to be a platform to inspire inspiration. People can get that wherever they want. But we, we kind of want to help people fit, like, People don't, a lot of people won't have this mountain in the backyard um, if they're not in Vancouver, right? right? So now it's taking this mountain and turning it into a metaphor, and it's waking up and chasing after something that makes you happy in life, your purpose, your passion. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but a lot of people think like you've, you come across those listicles on BuzzFeed, it's like 17 reasons why you need to quit your job immediately and go travel the world, and all of a sudden that's gonna make you super happy, it's gonna fix all of your problems. But why don't people just think like, what's gonna make me happy in my own home? And what, you know, is it my job that I'm not happy with? Is it like, what are you not happy with here? And how do you fix it? And we all work our nine to fives. We all have our jobs that we work at and we live this epic life outside of our work. And I think that's a really important message to push to people is that 
You should be inspired with every aspect of your life. We all have bills to pay. We all have to do the same thing. So it's not just quitting life, but it's basically saying, what makes you really happy? And what are you going to go do to get it? Um, and I think that's a really cool thing about our community is that just people inspiring um, each other to just go do cool things. And what would you say the most important thing you've learned from those guys? Is there one thing that really stands out? Oh, I can't pick. <laughs> um, they have been the most open and understanding people to everything I've been going through. And um, with them, I've start, we've started When In Doubt Love together. But um, without them, I don't think I would have changed um, as a human. Physically, I've changed, but they have mentally facilitated the change that I've, that I've needed. And they've done that through openness, they've done it through acceptance, they've done it through support, encouragement, love, unconditional love. Um, and I've learned really important lessons from all of them, and I couldn't be more grateful to have and I will agree with that. It's like when you go on those hikes, they've really been able to create a community. You and I talked about this last time we chatted before the podcast. It's just when you're hiking up with people, you feel like you can open up and you can share just about anything with them, right? And you have these great conversations and it, it feels like you're traveling. You go up the mountain with them and it's like you bond, you open up and then you come down and then it's like you kind of go on with your own lives again. But it's just, it really is an incredible community where you can get raw, honest, open. And I've had some amazing conversations walking up the mountains of people here in Vancouver and even down in Tahoe and so it's really an incredible community to check out for sure. Thanks. <laughs> you know I'm a big supporter. <laughs> so for you the next chapter now is when in doubt love right what I always kind of like to talk to guests a bit about like what are the challenges that you see with that and like what is your action plan to kind of overcome that anytime when you launch a new business there's going to be things that come up and I'm curious to know how you're, you know, what is the big challenge for you guys right now, and what are you doing to overcome that? Well, we have a meeting about that in like 20 minutes, <laughs> so, no, um, it really comes down to just building a solid plan for that. Um, I think having four creative people in a room is the best and the worst thing, <laughs> because we'll be like, okay, this is the plan. And then we start writing the plan, and then we split off, and we'll do work on it, and we get together, and like, okay, and then what about this, 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 and this? And then we get so excited about the new ideas, and then our brain starts going to other places. Um, so while I, I think for us, it's going to be step-by-step step creating what the actual vision is. You know, what is the first thing we want people to know about one and love, and how are we going to achieve that? And once we get to you know achieve step one, like what's the, the next thing that we're moving to? So just kind of developing one our, our vision and our purpose and how we're gonna get there and, and a timeline for it. Um, that's just kind of like for the brand. And then right now we're in the midst of like actually packaging and sourcing the beads. And the cool thing about it is we're actually making them ourselves. So like we're really stoked to just say that they're handmade with love in Canada. Um, Phil, we might need you to make some bracelets. That's awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then also just trying to engage with people as authentically as we can. Um, I talk to every single person that joins our mailing list. I know who they are, I know what their story is, and you know we kind of go back and forth. And I, I want to curate content that's authentic and real, that's thought-provoking, that's relatable, um, that's deep. Um, and I want we want to turn. It's interesting working on this project with three guys because you really do get a lot of different perspective. Um, and I think we just want to develop real inspiring but 
um, authentic contract. So really creating a solid action plan going forward for the company yeah. really a big focus for you guys right now. Yeah. Just putting action to like the vision for sure. If someone is struggling with love in their day to day, what would you recommend for them to kind of overcome that? What's a good way to kind of start practicing more self love? One, you need to understand what you're unhappy about. So the first thing is identify what's yeah, like what do you not love? It's really cool because like I was reading this thing and this quote has like totally stuck with me. And um, someone was like, if I asked you to list, okay, I'm gonna do this exercise with you. List all of the things that you love in life. My family: snowboarding, surfing, outdoors, sports. Yeah, nature. That's the ones that come to mind right away. Okay, so you said six. Not one of those six things did you mention yourself. And like that was a quote I read. It was like, if I asked you to list all the things you loved in life, how long would it take you to list yourself? It's we crazy. could have gone a hundred and I probably wouldn't have listed myself. And the thing is, like, I wouldn't either. And I don't think majority of the people will. And that's what I mean with, like, why has it become this crazy thing to love everything around us and everyone around us? And we can't even be like, hey, Allie, you're freaking killing it today. Like, you're the best. You're like, you know? And when we talk about, like, this self-love thing, it's not this, like, it's not this, like, you know, girl, you're like a diva, you're like super fabulous, you like, we don't want to go that road. It's like, like you said, number one, identify. Why are you, what do you not love about yourself? Because if you actually started listing those things, you would probably, when you're thinking about it, think that you're crazy for saying half of them, you know? So yeah, to answer your question, one is to just identify what you're unhappy about, what don't you love, and then work on it. You know, is there a reason that you feel that way? You know, if I'm telling one of my friends this is how I feel, I'll be like, why do you think you feel that way? And a lot of the times I can say because of X, Y, and Z. Sometimes I'll say I don't know, but deep down inside I know, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so identify and work on it and see if you can make actual changes. A lot of times we just don't give ourselves time and space and we're so chaotic we're always busy we're always doing something you just need you time you need time to settle and take care of your mind and your body and um, figure out little practices that like will make you happy for me it's like you gotta do my meditation some days great some days not some people it's working out um, i like to go float like there's there's a bunch of like things that you can kind of do to maybe help clear that space and have that time with yourself but I think having time with yourself is super important because if you keep pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off and you're always running around, it's going to get to the point where you can't even sleep at night because that is the only time it's like your brain is like, okay, I've got you now. <laughs> and I, I think that's a really bad time to, you know, you don't want it to get to that point. My buddy Jordan, who's on the podcast too, always talks about going on dates with yourself, right? You know, we... Ever... I love solo dates. <laughs> It's like we always, you know, when we meet a significant other, we want to wine and dine them, but we rarely wine and dine ourselves, right? So mm -hmm. you just got to go and just like, you know, what do you want? Where do you want to eat? What do you want to do? And just really treat yourself to that because it's like very rarely, like we're so go, go, go with our day-to-day -day lives. And then when it comes down to it, we don't really take that time to reward ourselves. Totally. If you could go back and give your 18-year-old self some advice, what advice would you give yourself? Like I know cookies are really good. <laughs> 
<laughs> you don't need to eat so many of them. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is great advice. <laughs> um, I would just say choose your lifestyle wisely. Um, time goes by really fast, and I don't think I'm really affected by age. I don't think that bothers me, but you can't get a lot of those years back, and it, it's really important to just treat yourself with respect eat properly, fuel your body properly, work out, um, and take care of yourself mentally. Um, how you deal with stress, what you practice, what you preach, how you actually act, compassion, vulnerability, love, there's all of these crazy things, but I wish like I would have figured this out when I was 18 or 19, because I'd, I'd, be, interesting to, I'd be interested to see how I would have lived, or what I would kind of would, you know, be feeling now, but yeah, practice those things, because they're really important. You don't want to get to a point where it's just where you feel like you've hit a low and you're like, what do I do now? So. And what advice would you give for the audience as last words here? We're wrapping up kind of anything you want to leave the audience with. Yeah. Um, I feel like I practice self-love. Yeah. Practice self-love. I know I've said it a million times, but really just take some time. I, I call it like I did something called a personal audit yesterday and I think they're, they're really cool just go on those self dates and take some time to reflect and just figure out what you need to make you happy and and work towards it because you should only be living it's like it's your life you know I know it sounds really cheesy but you shouldn't be living it for anyone else figure out your purpose your passion what fuels you what makes your you know skin tingle a little bit and gives you really that that feeling of fullness and excitement because when you can feel like you're living a full life that's really Nice. And where can people find you? What social media platform? What's the best way to reach out to you? Um, I'm really big on Instagram. That's my favorite my favorite platform. I spend way too much time on there. So you can reach me at Ali Pintucci. And, um, I'll spell that out for you guys. <laughs> yeah, you can spell that out. And um, yeah, it'd be really rad if you guys checked out the Chasing Sunrise and When In Doubt Love websites. Um, WhenInDoubtLove.com And um, Well, thank you for being on the show today. I appreciate your time. Thanks. I'm excited. And for everyone that enjoyed this, do subscribe on iTunes and uh, check out more of the podcast. And if you want to check out some of the writing, go to philipswincy.com and you can find more there. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Ali. (laughs)